Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm Stacy Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you are here with us today. Well, you know, today is going to be really fun. I asked our Facebook community what questions they had about calming or about sensitive and intense kids. They sent in some good questions, and I know that you will relate to those questions too. And actually, by the way, anyone who's taken one of our online courses is welcome to join that private group on Facebook. There's thousands of parents over there in the group. It's a wonderful, supportive place with a dedicated moderator. Feel free to join it if you have taken one of our courses. Well, my first question is for you listeners. Do you know that once a year we offer a discount on the Sensitive and Intense Kids online course? Well, we do. And it's right now. The course is 30% off, making it $98. And if that's still too high for you, there's scholarships. But just tap through to the show notes and check out all of the information about the course. We're going to be talking more about it today. But I invited Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and Lydia Rex, certified parent coach, to come on today and answer the questions that I received. But, you know, before I do that, I do want to make sure that you know about the audio-only bonus because it's time-sensitive. So during the once-a-year price discount that we're offering, we also give an audio-only listening option as a free bonus. I love this. We did it for the first time last year with Discipline That Connects, and people loved it. I had one mom actually tell me that her husband got through all of the course content because he was able to listen to it on his way to work, right? Because it works like a podcast. So when you sign up for the course right now, you get 30% off and you get access to the audio-only. And the thing that makes it time sensitive is that that access expires on March 31st. So the sooner that you register, the longer you will have access to it. Okay, we'll tap through to the show notes and you will get all the information about the sensitive and intense kids online course, the bonus, all the details. I hope you register today. Hey, so let's just jump right into our questions. I want to bring Lynn Jackson and Lydia Rex on. So hi, Lynn. Welcome. Hello. Good to be here. Yeah. Hi, Lydia. Hey, Stacy. It's so great to have the two of you on the podcast again. We're in this season in January around sensitive and intense kids. We're talking a lot about calming in the coming episodes. And so I have got some questions. I'm going to see if I can stump you guys. I doubt I can. (laughs) I'm going to start with the first question. Here you go, Lynn and Lydia. Our youngest, a five-year-old, wakes up at an eight out of 10 in the morning. He feels very stressed and usually explodes at the first sibling that looks at him or if a big brother leaves the room before him. He has a lot of high demands about properly preparing his breakfast. Oh, I hear the tension in the morning routine, don't you guys? Oh, for sure. Anxiety. So it, it helps to just... I always, we start with looking at our own hearts. You know, it, it's an easy in a situation like that to just enter with frustration and judgments and why is he like this? But as we take that to the Lord and just go, okay, Lord, 
part of my flesh right now, all these judgments about my kiddo. And that may or may not be an issue here, but it is so common because it's such a tough situation to just enter with, wow, if this is happening that regularly, my child must be so stressed and overwhelmed. And he must just feel so anxious coming up from the levels of sleep that just that transition just isn't working for him. So starting with that compassion is just such an important thing and asking the Lord to give you that if you're struggling with judgments and frustration and resentment. Kids with that are not neurotypical, they have increased cortisol in their saliva in the morning. It's measurable. So to just be aware of that and then kind of lower those demands in the morning. And I think Lydia has got some good ideas about that. And take some of that stress off of the whole family in the morning. If mornings are consistently tough for your family, I know one thing that sometimes can happen for me when my child is struggling is I start to get kind of frantic, like, oh, what are all the things I need to do to help fix this? And oftentimes the answer is, how can we find some simple ways to just make this transition or this time easier for our family. And so I had one coaching family recently that they decided they were just going to have two different choices for breakfast. And they they thought that was going to be hard for their kids, but it actually really eased some of the morning stress for everybody. Do they need to have their clothes set out? Do they need to put on their clothes the night before? Do we need to minimize the chores that need to happen before heading off to school and do those at a different time instead? What are some simple sensory tools that that could be helpful here? You know, the mini trampoline, do we need to do a quick five minutes on the swing? Do we need to roll them up in the blanket burrito, finding those go-to ideas, not making it too complicated, but a couple helpful things and see how that goes. I love it. The sensitive and intense course has so many ideas, both from Lynn and Lydia, but also from other parents because they give their input on ways to help different specific things like the burrito that you mentioned, Lydia. And I think being intentional as a parent, if he explodes at the first sibling or if somebody leaves the room how can you get in there first with warmth and connection and even humor you know to just do a little deep pressure rock them back and forth bring them a a a snack just a light snack to get some blood sugar in but just welcoming them warmly and with humor can make such a difference before they even get out of bed that's good. Okay. The second question is, as parents, how do we differentiate between misbehavior and dysregulation or a meltdown? (laughs) (laughs) Well, Lydia and I kind of agree on this one. It's rarely an either or. It's usually a both and. And this is just reflective of who we are as people. We can never leave behind the the baggage and the complication of sin. And yet so much of our behavior is about our stress and our needs as well. And so misbehavior has this negative connotation that means, wow, or you might think, wow, that means I just need to go punish that right away. (laughs) And dysregulation, oh, those poor kids, how do I meet their needs? It's not really an either or, it's a both And your child is struggling, they're overwhelmed, they're stressed. And in that process, just like us as parents, 
We make poor choices when our stress level is high and there's a mismatch with our skill level, our ability level in the moment. So that's the beautiful thing about the framework is you start with safety and connection and then you empower your child to, to make some better choices. And then if there's been some real hurt involved, then you guide them with grace towards reconciliation. And that is helpful for any child, whether it could be classified more as, well, they were looking straight at me when they knocked that glass off the table, you know, a misbehavior. Well, was that because they were dysregulated? Or when they're dysregulated, they could have chosen to say, I'm really anxious right now and I need some help versus having a meltdown. So it's just this complex interweaving and the framework guides us in both situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the framework just brings a lot of freedom to us as parents. You know, we don't have to figure out was this misbehavior or dysregulation? We're going to start in the same place either way with you're safe with me. We love no matter what, that empathy, that co-regulation. And then we're going to move on to coaching and correction in ways that build wisdom and, and teach that value of making it right. I think just so helpful to think about, you know what, either way, I'm going to approach this with that same framework. I love it. You know, there's a video that this is reminding me of that we inserted into the sensitive and intense kids online course, and we call it the rocks in the backpack video. (laughs) And I know that you, Lynn and Lydia, remember it. We've been talking about it. It's going out in emails round now. And really, it's just the idea that kids walk through the day and they have this invisible backpack and it gets filled with heavy rocks of maybe stress or disappointment or rejection. There's all kinds of things that can cause that backpack to get filled up heavy with rocks and then they get home And it explodes in all sorts of ways. And maybe it's over something that a parent can't quite understand. And and so then I can hear this question coming. How do we differentiate between misbehavior and dysregulation? And I think that video does such a great Mm -hmm. job of showing parents that there's actually a lot under the surface that's going Mm -hmm. on. Because one of those rocks is sin, right? So we've got all of it mixed up together. And But parents, if we can learn to look under the surface and really understand our kids, And I just want to say, we have a great, great PDF for parents to show that video to their kids and then walk through the exercises and even help the kids to understand what's going on with them. It's, it's, it's good. Lydia, do you have any comments about that rocks in the backpack video? Oh yeah. That's so helpful because we can build some of this awareness in our kids that's even going to be helpful for them as they get older. I think of times that I have misbehaved as a mom and said to myself, what's wrong with me? And you know what was going on? A lot of things under the surface. And we need to be aware of our sin. We need to be aware of the things that are going on in our brain and our body. And so building these values in our kids, as well as having empathy as a parent is so valuable. One parent said after they showed that video to their child, their child looked at them and said, that's me. Mm-hmm. You just hear that. I just heard, oh, like you get me. It gets me. And that's mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Let's move on. We've got a couple of more questions before we wrap the podcast up mm-hmm. still. But here's the third one. Um, How can we build empathy and resilience in the other children in the family besides the sensitive intense kids, right? Some of my other children are naturally empathetic, 
But the others sometimes struggle with all the extra things that we need to add to our day to help our sensitive and intense kids out. I'll dive in because this is a great one to start with what's going on in the parent. And I can hear in this parent's voice just the compassion and the empathy for the kids that are having a hard time. But it's if we keep going down through our beliefs, we might be having a belief that life shouldn't be hard. Life shouldn't be hard for my other kids. And then we'll start to view this these sensitive, intense kids as a burden when instead we can look for the opportunity of, wow, this is compassion training for my whole family and to help our kids think that through. So these might be private conversations with some of the other kids. So, you know, what's hard about Johnny just having some extra struggles and sensitivities? What's hard about that for you? And then what's good about that? And see if they can start to recognize the opportunity in their own heart for compassion, for service, for faith, for hope in the midst of challenges. So then certainly we want to be empathetic and problem solve what's hard, but really having a vision for what could be good about this can change a parent's perspective. And then that perspective can overflow to the other kids. Like I've got a lot that I could grow in in this situation that could be really cool. In the course, we have a, a whole handout on teaching siblings to understand and value their difference. And it starts with understanding nervous system differences. So they can start to step into what would it be like to have sounds booming and buzzing in my ears or to have my clothes always bugging me? What would that be like? So opportunities for insight, awareness, compassion, service. There's so many opportunities in this challenging situation. Yeah. And I just think to building that value of we all have strengths and weaknesses. And I think sometimes that sensitive and intense siblings weaknesses sometimes seem a little bit bigger than everybody else's, but really we all have strengths and weaknesses. Some of them just, you know, show up maybe a little louder than others. And each member of the family brings different gifts to the family too. And I think of the ways that the the sensitive and intense people in my house bring so much joy and just color and excitement and passion to the family. And that is such a gift. So finding those ways to celebrate each family member's differences and what they add to the family, I think is really valuable alongside that empathy for, yeah, and sometimes we do have some other things going on in, in the family that are stressful and tough. And how can we work together around these things? Yeah, that's really good, Lydia. I would just add also that when the not sensitive and intense child is kind of pushing back a little bit, that we need to really be careful to show empathy to them also. Tell me more about that. I want to know as much about what's going inside of you as I do about all of the other kids who might have more struggle. And that that would be an important response also. For sure. Think about how tough it is for parents to, you know, move through some of these tough times with a sensitive and intense child. And we're talking about siblings who are who are not grown-ups, they're not parents. It really can be very tough. Okay, ladies, let's move on. We have two more questions. Here we go. The next one is how do I explain my kids' behavior to other people outside the family without sharing too much and without apologizing? Lydia, do you want to get started on this one? 
Well, you know, I think about times when I have been tempted to maybe overshare and a lot of times is coming from a place of some insecurity in me of like, I need you to understand why there's so much misbehavior and I really am trying hard as a parent, right? I'm sure that others can relate to those feelings. And I had a interaction with a new friend recently that I thought was such a beautiful example of sharing without sharing too much and in a way that was so uplifting to everyone. So I was talking to this new friend when her four-year-old impulsively disobeyed and mom just, you know, excused herself for a moment, went, got on her level, redirected, came back to the conversation and said, she has a hard time being impulsive right now, but she really does want to listen. She is sweet girl. I know she'll learn just like her big brother did. She was so confident and positive affirming that child and that was just so encouraging to me. And I thought, wow, she really is shaping how other people view her child. That was just such a kind of inspiration for me when it comes to this. And I think you hit on something really important there. It was like, it sounds like this mom didn't need to cover her reputation. She just wanted to help her daughter be understood for the miracle that she was. That's just a real uh, watershed question. Am I trying to like impress people that I'm really working to do a good job with this child? Or am I just wanting my child to be understood? And what's the minimum amount of information that they need to put this in enough context that they won't judge my child inaccurately and then reinforce their judgment with how they respond to my child. Just sharing, you know, about maybe there are some very specific learning differences that someone close to your child will benefit from knowing. But sharing that with the perspective of, wow, this kiddo's brain is so uniquely created. And sometimes it's challenging, but boy, I can't wait to see what the Lord does with my little daughter or son here. And it's probably good to just If you sense you're discouraged or feeling insecure, just leave it for another time and think it through and pray it through. Yeah, be okay not sharing, right, Lynn? It's okay not to share if you have a little hesitation there. Yeah, for sure. And Lydia, you had some thoughts about how to just, in that time when you go, okay, this isn't a time for sharing, how to just remove yourself from the situation. Oh, yeah. I think having maybe some go-to ways to graciously extricate yourself and your child at times when it's needed, when you're like, oh, you know what? We're having one of those days today. This is just kind of a tough situation for us. I think we're going to head out a little early. You know, that is totally fine. That's having mercy for yourself and your child in those moments where you're like, okay, God's still doing some work on my foundation. I'm not quite sure how to explain everything. And I don't need to in this moment. Instead, I can just (laughs) graciously take myself and my little one out of this challenging moment. And we'll try again another time. Well, here is the last question, and I'm excited to get to this one. Here it is, Lynn and Lydia. How about sensitive and intense teens? It's quite a different approach and language when they're older and still intense. This is a good one. The sensitive and intense course was written for families of children of three to 12, but there's so much in it that is still applicable to teenagers. Lydia, what do you have to say about that? 
Oh, I would start by asking, you know, what is my teen believing? What are they believing about themselves? Do they feel like they're a problem or nobody understands? The reality might be you might not fully understand the experience of your sensitive and intense teen. And so really, you know, being curious, asking them, you know, tell me more about this. What what would you like me to know about this struggle or, or that struggle? And then while you know, being curious and asking those questions, being really intentional to plant those strong identity messages in them that that you want them to believe about themselves, that they are, you know, incredibly created by God, that they have those strengths and weaknesses, that even though they may be struggling with something right now, that you see the good things that God put inside them. They're still your beloved child, even though now they're 16 and, and maybe struggling with a different challenge. So I think that's a really important place to start. And then, you know, we talk about all the fun sensory activities and things like that in the course, but for an older child or a teen, it becomes more about empowering them to advocate for and care for themselves. And, you know, the sensory input for them might look a little different. It might be aromatherapy or or lighting or the music that they like or exercise. I always just kind of giggle a little bit when I think of my oldest and her bedtime routine because she was my little one who hated bedtime and bedtime was always a struggle. And as a preteen, she has got this long bedtime routine that every step, every evening, like she has this very structured kind of wind down calming routine. And I just love it. I love seeing her step into that ownership of like, I'm a, I'm a person who needs to wind down a little bit more in the evening. And she has this lovely routine where she does just that. So helping your kids to see hey, this is something that's so great about you. It's so awesome that you're learning to care for your your brain and your body so well. Mm -hmm. And you can really do some brainstorming with them of like, if we were to create kind of a teen hangout in the basement (laughs) or in just some spot of the house, it wouldn't be the calm down corner, but it would be more like a teen hangout. What would that be like? What would you want there? And there was a family with like four teens and they had the basement cleared out and they had a little ramp with a skateboard and they had rip sticking and a ping pong table. And it's just these random fun games and lots of pillows. And the kids directed the creation of that. And it it doesn't have to be a huge thing. We had a great game of ping pong last night by clipping a little net onto our dining room table. And the the two, we have two postmates who are preteens. They had a blast. There was so much laughter and regulation and all sorts of good motor and emotional things happening. So that's just, you know, some practical thoughts. But then, you know, when you have these tough issues, teens are not going to want you to sit down and stare at them across the table and say, okay, it's time to share your feelings. They might, you might say, yeah, you want to go for a run? And, you know, while you're running, then you know, have anything you want to talk about. I noticed you seemed kind of frustrated when you came home from school. What would you like me to know about that? And that's just a, an open-ended question. They can fill in the blank or they can say nothing. And you say, okay, whatever, just I'm here if you want to talk about it at some point. So just giving them time to think and respond. There was one kiddo that just did better emailing with his parents because it gave him time to process their questions and then respond. And then sharing your own sensitivities. You may have some sensitive, intense inclinations in your own nervous system wiring. Mm -hmm. So being vulnerable with that is Mm -hmm. that can be super helpful for teens. 
Yeah. I mean, what I hear in all that the two of you said that just resonates with me and the teams that I've just launched is this gentleness to come alongside our kids. And it's just always about checking ourselves and our judgments and all of that, put it behind us so that I can come alongside my teen with curiosity, asking the question that you just suggested, Lynn, was what was the exact wording of it? What's going on in you? Or what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know about this? Yeah, Yeah, about this, because I don't know. I'm not pretending to know you're my child, but I care so much about you that I really want to know so that I can support you even in this struggle. And, you know, I think about Lydia, your, your little daughter and her bedtime routine. I'm guessing you didn't force any of those calming strategies on her, but that she got to create that herself. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I would just say, you know, yeah, as a parent of teens, the, the best way to help our kids at this stage is really modeling, being vulnerable and modeling it. So all of these phrases like that we learned in the course, there's a lot. One of them might be motion changes emotions. So for me, it was, I am feeling overwhelmed. Maybe we just had a house full of people for five hours. (laughs) Maybe I'm just upset and angry about something that just happened. I need to go for a walk. I'm going to go walk and I'm going to come back when I feel better. I know that my brain and my body need oxygen because motion changes emotion. And my teenagers will even repeat that to me and they laugh. (laughs) Oh, we know now, mom, but you know what? And I think, I don't know that they've gone for a walk, but I believe I'm teaching them tools as I'm vulnerable and as I'm modeling it. And then I have to be peaceful as they choose those tools and how they want to incorporate them into their lives. To be honest, you guys, that's where the rubber hits the road because I'm not always happy in what they choose or if they don't do something. But but that's what I can do is I can model and I can be transparent with my teenagers and just come alongside them with curiosity. Yeah, it's just uh, in all of these questions, there's challenges, there's you can hear discouragement and overwhelm. And yet, you know, as we recognize, okay, that stuff is of my flesh and I can bring it to the Lord and just receive his encouragement because he is so in this with me and he so gets it and he'll come alongside me and give me what I need to parent these sensitive, intense kids and with an eye for their incredible potential in the kingdom of God. Well said, Lynn. Lynn and Lydia, this was great. It was so fun being able to ask our Facebook community group for their questions and to pass them on to you and then share them with our wider audience. I love this model. It was fun. Thanks for being here today. Oh, thanks, Stacey. It was fun to be here. Yes, that's my privilege. Thanks. Well, thanks for tuning in today, friends. If you could use guidance to understand your child's struggle and tools to support them, now is the time to go register for the Sensitive and Intense Kids online course. One time a year, we discount the price, making it $98 right now. And there's a bonus. Until March 31st, you will have access to an audio-only version of the course, making it easy to go for a walk or drive your car and listen to the content. Well, we are a listener-supported organization. Over 50,000 parents like you listen to the podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org.